anthem of the French Republic is now a signal for another revolution. The overthrow of football's ruling power is at hand. That was 20 years ago, on July 12th, 1998. The night France won its first World Cup. 20 years and three days later, the Équipe de France would win it again. I'm your host, PSG Small Talk and World Cup Project host Mark Damon. Join me and fellow PSG Talk contributor Guillaume Delaporte as we relive Le Bleu's magical and spellbinding run to its second world championship. It's France's second footballing revolution here on the World Cup Project. Gim, has it uh, has it sunk in yet? Yeah, it has. It has. It's uh, it's been a um, interesting emotion, evolving, morphing into different type of emotions. Now I feel pretty good. I've been a little unsettled um, on a, on a on a cloud, not not in the real world all these past days. And now, um, yeah, it's been uh, Mark. It's been wonderful. And, and I. I I am um, I am so happy you are joining us. We we started the World Cup project, for lack of a better term, with uh, the two of us reminiscing about the history of French football. And at that point, we did not we genuinely did not know how this World Cup would go for France. It could have gone a whole um, it could have, could have gone a whole bunch of ways. Oh, and yeah. I think that over the course of the last month. It, it's just, it's a reminder of why we, we fell in love with this team and why even when we don't think that there's hope or that we think there's an opportunity that sometimes the sport just surprises you in pleasant ways that you, you're never really ready for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's not many sports like this where um, you you have a team, f- you know, full of experienced players, really highly skilled, uh, playing at at really high level, f- uh, and, and and then they meet a let's say in, in a Coupe de France game, a fifth division team, and that team beats them. When when the Dallas Cowboys play a you know regional football team. In, if they would, they would they would score two to three hundred points against them, and that that regional football team would score probably zero points. Not not in in football, not in soccer. It's possible. So you never know. You never can tell. I wouldn't say never. Sometimes there's there's that 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 dimension of let's call it I don't know magic. 
you feel a vibe. I, I felt that in 2000, um, right before the Euro. And I was living in New Jersey and um, playing, uh, I played one, one season of football. I was a terrible player. And um, we had an international team, and right before the Euro, everybody was saying, okay, I think this country is going to win that country. And I was like, you, you, you guys don't realize we're going to win. France is going to win the Euro. You don't realize this is a winning machine. There's no losing with this team. And um, I had that same feeling after the Uruguay game. After the Argentine game, I was like, okay, they can do it. After the Uruguay game, I'm like, hmm. So, but, but, so you know, the, 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 the thought comes to your mind. It, it's an intuition, rather. But your, 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 your other half of your brain is like, yeah, you're being too optimistic. There's always doubting that. But there was an intuition after Uruguay that was a feeling I had before that they, 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 that's it. They, they are a winning machine, and they, they turn out to be. Yeah, and we're gonna walk. We're gonna walk through all of this, but I wanted to kind of um, start from a sort of a general, um, a general place. And I listened back to our uh, to our uh, show that we did, and I will say, if you have not listened to the show that me and Guillaume did um, about two months ago for the World Cup project, I would suggest listening to that one first because it gives a lot of context to what we're gonna talk about, and it's an excellent show. It's it's Guillaume in absolute uh, rare form. So oh oh uh, thank you. <laughs> let me just take a, let me just take a quote from what you said in that in that because there were so many gems in here that I wrote down, but this one in particular, just because I, I think it was um, I think it, it zeroes in on something. I still think this team can win the World Cup, but there's something missing in the team. Let me ask you, Guillaume, what is it that was missing that they found? The, so it's a, it's a beautiful uh, French expression, which, uh, my God, comes from Napoleon, Emperor of the French, in the early 1900s. L'esprit de corps, which would you would translate by the, my translation may not be correct, but something like you sacrifice yourself, you as an individual. And your ego to the team. So sacrifice. And um, I also think I mentioned that they, they, they were a team of millionaires. Yes, you did. Well, they, they became a team of beggars. And um, ready to die on the pitch. And this is all Deschamps. This is, this is not, you know, without Deschamps, they, there, was, there was none of that. He's, he's an amazing, amazing guy. What a guy. This World Cup victory is 100% Didier Deschamps who picked his staff, people who believed in him. I mean, he's an um, impressive leader. And uh, they played the way he wanted them to play because he knows this is how you win titles. Because he's done it. He's done it with Marseille. He's done it with Juventus. He's done it with the French national team as a player on several occasions. And he almost had done it as a, as a coach of the French national team for the quarterfinal of the previous World Cup, Euro final. 
And um, he knew exactly what needed to happen. And he, he convinced, I mean, look at Pogba. Pogba before the World Cup. Pogba now is not the same guy the way he plays on a football pitch. Unbelievable. So, esprit de corps, sacrifice, play as a team, play for your partner, get things done, don't, you know, keep your focus, give 100%, and refuse to lose. And that's what they've done. And, and I was going to use this quote later, but something else you said in that, which I, I thought really stood out, which is, there's something else than talent that's at stake when it comes to winning a great competition. The hope that Deschamps, the wish is that he knows that, that it's all about team play and team mentality, and he's been trying to protect and build that. So yep. you struck at that way back in March when we recorded, and I want to kind of start with the team selection <laughs> and sort of take us back into the moment of when the team was initially selected. So your goalkeepers are Hugo Lloris, Alphonse Ariola, and Steph Mandanda, defensively Jibril Sidibe, Benjamin Pavard, Samuel Mtiti, Presnel Kimpembe, Adil Rami, Rafael Varane, uh, Lucas Hernandez, Benjamin Mendy. In the midfield, you had um, Paul Pogba, N'Golo Kante, Corentin Tolisso, uh, Stephen Nzanzi. Um, I might be missing one or two there, but um, the attack, Greece. Matuidi. Matuidi, thank you. How do I forget? Bless you. Um, Bless you. How do we, yeah. Um, and in the attack, you had, um, Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, uh, Florian Tovan, Usman Dembele, Olivier Giroud, and Nabil Fakir. Correct. So that's basically your team. Now, there was a bit of a controversy. I, I, it wasn't of the worst controversy in the world, but it was annoying, which was that a couple of the players were left off. One mm-hmm. of them being Paris Saint-Germain midfielder Adrian Rabiot. And he decided that rather than being an alternate, which essentially meant you just had to, you know, be on standby in case somebody got hurt. He didn't really require him to do anything all that much. Rather than doing that, he decided to publicly state that he would not be an alternate and that he would rather sit at home or go on vacation or something. So, yeah, that's Rabio's reaction. Beautiful reaction. Congratulations, Adrien. Bravo. Good sport. <laughs> and I would, I would sort of categorize it as the ghosts of French team past. Like, yes. that's something you can totally expect. Um, a Samuel Nestri or a Karim Benzema or. Or Ribéry, Ribéry. Or a Ribéry to do. And I feel like. And I, and I, and as much as I'm a Paris Saint-Germain fan, fan, as much as I try to support Adrian Rabio, I, I, I couldn't on that one. It, it's just, no. for me, it's a bridge too far. What about for you? Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I lost all respect for this guy. That's, that's simple. That's it. He wants, so now he's, he's, um, he's, he's behaving like this with the club because, you know, he's got one year left on his contract. He's like, yeah, I want to move to Barca. Well, you know, also, you know, Juve, they want me, blah, blah, blah. Nya, nya, nya. No, I don't want to extend my con. Oh, okay. What, whatever. <laughs> no, seriously, that's, no, no, no. So anyway, yeah, Deschamps, you know, he, you know cannot, what is, though? cannot stand this attitude. Cannot yeah. stand it. Cannot stand it. 
he got it right too. Like it did. He, 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 he got proved, that right. Mark, he proved everybody wrong. All the people were bitching about him. Yeah, and, and there were a lot of them. And he proved everyone wrong. He said, "This is how it's going to be done. If we do it this way, we will win." And he, he did it that way, and he won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he took a team that I think he, and in hindsight, and even at the time, I think he took a team with maybe a little less talent than he could have Correct. for that exact purpose. Now, obviously, he wasn't going to take Karim Benzema, but he didn't also take he also didn't take uh, Alexander Lacazette. He didn't take Anthony Martial. Yeah, Martial was Adrian a big, big And he could have taken yeah. a more talented team, but he intentionally chose not to. Yep. And just, well, I mean, he, he favored character over pure talent. It's not like the, the players selected don't have talent. And there was also, you know, he's a very pragmatic guy. Like Enzonzi, yeah, I mean, you look how he used Enzonzi through the World Cup. It's like, okay, you come in here, you 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 shut down everything. You shut down everything in the air, on the ground. You cut you cut opponent players in halves. Go for it, and that's what Enzonzi did. Every time he came in, he did the right thing. Um, when he had to replace uh, uh, N'Golo Kante at the 50th minute uh, during the World Cup, Enzonzi yeah. came, well, and France st- stopped. Losing um, uh, balls in the air. All the duels were won. That's what's it. Yeah. And then Zonzi went, blank, blank. Rabio cannot do that as well. So Deschamps is, you know, he's a simple, like, well, I don't know how do you say it in English. He, he doesn't, he's not, he's not a very sophisticated, sophisticated guy. He's, he's pretty direct. He doesn't hide things. And he said to Rabio, or rather, he answered the, the, the media about the Rabio thing as it's it's a it's a sportive it's a sport sporting decision. Yeah. First, first, and then he moved on to other issues. But by saying first, it means also there were other reasons. Yeah. But the first reason is purely the way Rabio plays. Also, because he's a complete dickhead. That did not help at all. And he picked over Enzonzi. He could have picked Rabio because Rabio could have played a little bit like Enzonzi and could have brought other things than Enzonzi couldn't because he's a versatile player. But by being a dickhead and an immature player, um, which can put the esprit de corps at risk, well, I'm not going to take Rabio and I'm going to take a, a more, you know, a, a like you said, a less gifted player in a way, but who's very good at, at what he does and uh, who's, a, who's a great guy who will just be part of the group. And he did, and it worked, and he was right. And, and, we, and we go now into sort of the beginning of the World Cup. We had three friendlies ahead of it that were very much nondescript. They did a nice little game against Italy where they looked pretty good. But, they did, yeah. But going into that tournament, going into, let's say on, on June 13th, what was your feeling? Because we didn't, we had not, when we talked, we talked before the team had been announced and before, like, the sort of last tune-up games happened. So, on June 13th, how did you feel going in? Um, you know, uh, quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah. Because
because you know you've seen France play um, young team, lots of talents, lots of power, lack of experience, and unproven. Not completely unproven because most of the team reached the Euro final, but there was something missing. Um, that's what happens in competitions. I mean, the, a, a, a national team they they gather what ten times a year, uh, so that's I don't know twenty days a year. And when there's a competition, suddenly they're all together. And they, they discover each other more, and that's when the the esprit de corps can happen. And that happened this time uh, because Deschamps is a good, you know, has a good sense of, of of people and knows how to build a group. And the team changed. Well, it didn't uh, look they, that way um, in the first during game. the competition. It didn't look that way in the first. That's specifically the first game. Because he comes out with a 4-3-3. Yoris, Pavard, Varane, Mtiti, Hernandez, Conte, Pogba, Tolisso, Mbappe, Griezmann, and Dembele. And two things about that decision. One, obviously in the first half, their attack didn't necessarily look like it had any direction to it. But also, playing... Benjamin Pavard, who's a center back by trade, as your um, as your right back, over Jibril Sidibe, who had been recovering from an injury, mm-hmm. and Lucas Hernandez over Benjamin Mendy, who, as we kind of found out as the tournament went along, wasn't in um, the physical shape to do what Deschamps needed him to do in that tournament. So let's start with the decisions at the fullback positions. And then we'll kind of talk about how they changed kind of midway through that game against Australia. Yeah, it's kind of bold, isn't it? I mean, for a few years, Mendy and City Bay were the starting fullbacks. Uh, Benjamin Mendy had some games where he was, you know, it's, it was Roberto Carlos level. Uh, you would see a, a five-liter V8 at 18,000 RPM, coming down the, the, the wing. I mean, unbelievable. And um, speed, physicality, um, also pretty good crosses, although good mentality, high-level uh, uh, fullback. And uh, that's how he ended up. At Manchester City, I mean, of course, Guardiola saw that. He's like, "I want him," and then he got, he got, he, he ruptured his ligaments, his knee ligaments. Uh, that's a big blow for for Deschamps. And then on the right wing, CDB overall, because CDB can play on the left too, was the the less poor right back. Um, but he got injured too. And here is Deschamps. I, I don't, I don't know exactly how that happened. So in the French media, there's a joke going on, um, using slang. So it's untranslatable, but like Deschamps is, is, is a lucky, is really lucky. Luck, luck all along his career has been, um, a big factor. Deschamps found Benjamin Fab, Fab, what? Who? Fab, <laughs> A year ago, Benjamin Pavard was playing in um, in Germany in second division. 
a year ago, he was playing in second division in Germany. Oh, uh, today he just signed for Bayern Munich, by, by the way. Hmm. Um, okay. Lucas Hernandez, um, I, don't, I didn't even know he was French. I, did, I went up, I saw Atletico play. I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, well, he was born in Marseille. He was raised in Spain, but born in Marseille. And somehow, the, the Spanish Federation didn't try to, you know, to, to sign him. To say, hey, do you want to be Spanish and play for Spain? Um, Deschamps and his, and his network of people at the French Federation did. Uh, Lucas Hernandez, if you rewatch the games of the French national team, is a machine. He is unbelievable, Mark. The intensity, every duel, every run, over and over and over and over again. France's fourth goal um, in, in the final against Croatia, it's Mbappé, right? Look what he does. He's at the 60th minute on the left wing. That's all him. Hmm. Mbappé's waiting, like walking to position himself at the beginning of, of uh, uh, Lucas Hernandez's action. 20 seconds later, he gets the ball there, exactly where he wanted it, and he scores. The whole thing is Lucas Hernandez. Who's this guy? How did he find him? So, I mean, we know how in modern football how important the fullbacks are. And we had those two guys, CDB and Mendy. Oh, no, they're injured. They can't play. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I found two unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Really, really, really good uh, replacements for them. And now, good luck to Mendy and CDB to get their seat back. Hmm. Good luck. Yes. Good luck. And also, as that... Um as the group stages sort of went on, um, there's an old there's an old saying. Um, I, I'm paraphrasing an old saying. Uh, you can't win the World Cup in the group stage, but you can damn sure lose a World Cup in the world yeah. in the group stage. Just ask the Germans. And oh, yeah. I think that, and this is where I'm going to say, mea culpa, I was wrong. I never doubted Deschamps as a man manager and a leader of men. I would question maybe some of his tactical decisions. And for the longest time, I was thinking that they, to be, to be competitive with the Brazils and the Germanys and the Spains, that they were going to have to sort of go away from the Matuidi, uh, Giroud type of game and play a little more expansive with Mbappe up front and Griezmann and Dembele swarming underneath. Now, in the long, long term, that may be where it's going to go, but what Deschamps proved, and by putting Giroud back in in the second half against Australia, and then in that second game against Peru, playing the 4-2-3-1 that would eventually uh-huh. get them the World Cup, I think he proved that France didn't necessarily need to change tactically. They just had to be a more consistent version of the thing that they had been trying to be. So... Just sort of talk about Giroud and Matuidi, them coming in in the second game and sort of settling the ship back down a little bit. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, the, 
Deschamps is a winner. Uh, there's a there's a there's a new there's a new documentary. You know, the, you, you you've seen you watched Les Yeux dans les Bleus, the 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 most famous documentary about the 1998 campaign. Um, um, amazing, which set the bar pretty high to football documentaries about you know tournaments and French national teams. TFA, the the leading French um, podcast network, just came out. I watched it yesterday night. Nah, not bad at all. After um, the games against Argentina in the locker room, Deschamps comes comes in, the camera's in, and the cameraman uh, speaks Italian somehow, and he's speaking Italian to Deschamps, and Deschamps is fluent in, Ita- in Italian. He spent seven years there as Juve captain. And uh, Deschamps, I, I didn't get what the cameraman told him, but Deschamps' answer is, e pelo vincere. It's beautiful to win. Or vi- the victory is beautiful. Et l'unica cosa che conta. It's the only thing that matters. And he's saying that in Italian. That's the Italian winning mentality. Mm. Um, another coach, I mean, a lot of coaches are like this. Uh, a good example is Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho won the Champions League with Inter asking Samuelito to play as a left-back. Didier Deschamps won the World Cup with France, asking Olivier Giroud to play as a six up front. Deschamps didn't care if Giroud would score or not. It would be nice. What Deschamps asked Giroud to do is to keep hitting, disrupting, hitting, disrupting, pressing, over and over and over for the whole game until he ran out of steam. Every single game, that's what Giro did. Giro was like, yeah, sure. So, yeah, um, nah, it's not the Harlem Globetrotters. It's not very beautiful to watch. Um, some, some, you know, some very brief sequences can be nice. It's not beautiful football, but e bello vincere. And yeah, that's, that's what Deschamps did. That's what the team did. They wanted to win whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Um, the tactics, sure. Team mentality, esprit de corps, and um, absolute, uh, no question, we're not going to lose this. Yeah. We are winning this. Um, in this documentary, I hope they're going to, uh, sub- you know, someone will, will put subtitles on it in English. Um, it, it was very interesting to see some players step up in the locker's room. Mostly Pogba. Fantastic. Uh, Rafael Varane, especially in the final, stepped up um, in a very positive way, in a very assertive way, as a, as a champion. Said the, said the right thing. Matridi did. And that's what's, that was the main message. We are not going back home tonight. We are not going back home tonight. We are winning this game. And they said that, you know, before the game, at halftime. And, uh, yeah, that's a winning mentality. This is why France won the World Cup. France had many talented players. Well, Spain, Spain too. Brazil too. Germany too. Um, but it's that winning mentality. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, no defeat. Yeah. Um, which was transmitted by Deschamps. And the 1998 generation, and and yeah. and, and the Italian 
the Italian and, and, we'll, and we'll get into that even as we go more into the knockout stage games. But I, I just I and I described it this way in the article that I wrote um, for PSGTalk.com. I called it ruthless consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that one. It's it's what's because you looked at all the other teams. You looked at how Germany shot itself in the foot. You looked at how Spain shot itself in the foot, and Brazil to an extent. And they may have had higher highs when it comes to the style of play and the the beauty, the beautiful, the the easiness on the eyes. But their lows were also much lower than France's. France always sort of kept a level that they never really dropped below. And you can somewhat call you can call that being conservative or you know trying to not screw up. But France made less mistakes than everybody else. The only catastrophic mistake I remember them making was the um, Umtiti handball in the Australia game. That's the only one where you go, ugh, that's not good. Mark, the first half against uh, Croatia. Yeah, but there, but there was never a, like, there was never a moment like a catastrophe in that in that half. And we'll get to that half, but let's... Um, sure. France also played Denmark. Uh, the less said about that game, the better. Um, on to the round of 16. They play Lionel Messi and Argentina, a team that had been hot and cold through the entire tournament, barely squeaked their way through the group stage, tying Iceland, losing to Croatia, barely beating Nigeria. And this is a game where you're not sure, because Messi is Messi, Argentina is Argentina. Mm -hmm. And in the first half, I didn't think France played all that badly. I thought they did a good job of not allowing Argentina to speed the game up and sort of make it into helter-skelter, which is what they wanted to do. But even though France played well, you have a Di Maria uh, shot from the outside. You have a deflected goal by uh, Gabriel Mercado. And all of a sudden, with about 40 minutes to go, France are down 2-1 in the round of 16. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I thought it was over. Because I did not see how Argentina were going to make the mistake and let France back into the game. Because I thought at that point, Argentina didn't have to chase the game. They didn't have to come out. They could be physical, they could make tackles, they could frustrate France. Did you think at that moment, oh, this is, this is it? Um, I'm gonna give you the answer of a, of a Nor, a Normand, a Norman. Yes and no. Yes, that's fine. Um, you see in Champions League, in, 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 in the big games, uh, if your team gets scored, so you, you, you lead, you open, you open the score, and right before halftime, um, the open, opposition ties the game. Ouch. Right before halftime. Ouch. You come back in the second half. Boom. They score another one. In general, it's over. I uh, mean, uh, you know, it's very, very difficult to, to tie the game and, and, and score. And win. Um, so at that moment, yeah, it hurts. The timing's awful. And, uh, Argentina got lucky, but, so you freak out. I freaked out. I had my doubts, but then you come down and you rethink, you, 
you try to analyze what happened in the first half. We were hurting them. I mean, they had Mbappe. My God, I mean, <laughs> my goodness gracious, they had no answer for him. Um, Griezmann was able to find space too. So after like five minutes of um, abysmal despair, <laughs> which was how I felt after the, the, the second goal, I, I started to calm down and say, no, this, it's not over. And it's not over. And uh, we talk about moments, and uh, we talk about at the end of whenever there's a major competition or there's a major sporting event, you talk about moments and times where things like the moment of the tournament. And you, we can talk about any of these goals that happen, any of these moments. For my money, there's no bigger moment, maybe in this tournament, maybe in a tournament in the last three or four of them, where you can point to it and go, that specific moment changed everything. For me, the Pavard goal in the 57th minute was that moment. Because so much has to go right for that goal to go in. Like, there's, there, it's, it's almost an impossible physics problem. The ball has to bounce exactly the right way two times he has to get his right foot in the right spot, right, you know, right at the right angle. He has to hit the ball with a certain amount of pace, not fall over, not slice it into the stands. And it has to just bend in that perfect way. It's almost one in a million that that happens. For so oh, no, no. They, they score goals like that on a regular regular basis in the second division of the German uh, championship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, this guy scored a legendary goal at the age of 22 as a right back as he plays central defense. Uh, his first season in the Bundesliga. Nobody's ever heard of him. And this change, yes, um, I wouldn't say it changed the, the team, but it, 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 it's a critical moment, yes, because they, they know they're good in defense. They know they're good up front, but now if even the fullbacks can do stuff like this, what can happen to you? The confidence. Imagine the confidence after that. It's just, it was just so, in, you could tell that the, that it, just, it just, it snapped I, everything back. I lost a lung. I lost a <laughs> lung. For, for two days, uh, my voice, well, uh, Guillaume, what's wrong with you? Uh, uh, unbelievable. And France would obviously go on to just roll through. I mean, yeah, they, Kylian they, they, Mbappe they, in the last, in that second half, once France had the momentum, once Argentina were back on their heels, I, I, it's just he closed the game. And sure, Argentina would get a, a, a header goal towards the end of the towards the end of the game, but it, at that point, it was pretty much secured. Fourth, I mean, Mbappe's goal reminds me of um, some plays by Paris Saint Germain. It came from Loris to the defense, simple but perfectly timed direct passes. Boop, boop, boop. Poop. Gorgeous, 
gorgeous asses, pas Giroud. Oh my goodness. An offering de last Giroud pass to Mbappé. Like, the, oh, what a touch. And goal. Boom. That's beautiful football. That's gorgeous football. So France can do that. And France can also crush your hopes, take the, li the life out of you and, and, and build a wall of defense that you cannot pierce. Wow. Okay. Good, good luck now playing France for the, for the future. Good luck. Yeah. The, just the, in a total, and let's just, uh, the midfield in that game, I think really grew I guess growing grew up would be a strong way to describe yeah. it. But no, no, Ingolo no, no, Con no, no. Like Paul Pogba in that second half, and Golo Conte shutting down Lionel Matuidi, Messi. Matuidi. Oh no, Matuidi was suspended. It's no. Tolisso. Was it Tolisso? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was suspended. Uh, yeah, he was. Oh no, it was against Uruguay. He was suspended for it was Uruguay. Against Uruguay. He was suspended yeah, sorry, for Uruguay. sorry. Yeah, Matridi, Matridi was there. Yeah. yeah. Back to Blaisou. Imagine when you have Blaisou back to his prime, running everywhere with feelings. And be, besides him, you have N'Golo Kante and Paul Pogba. And all three are playing at their best. Oh, yo, 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 yo. Oh, yo, 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 No, it was a perfect, the formula is perfect because All yeah. three of those guys can kind of switch off. They can all they can all play inside, outside. They can run. They can lead. They can lead counters. You know, it, it it's it's very hard to it's very hard to penetrate a, a midfield like that. And it was part of what made um, it's part of what I think helped France defensively in that the center backs didn't have to nearly do as much as you know, as they could have been asked to do. And it sort of protected Umtiti, who could play in the box and head the ball away. It allowed Varane to be, um, allowed him to be a lot more sort of free in the way he attacked the ball. And it just overall, it just worked. And that kind of brings us to Uruguay. Um, quarterfinal game. Um, France again going with their lineup. This time they bring Toliso in for the suspended Blaise Matuidi, and I thought Toliso did a good job. He did. He did what he, he did. needed to do. Um, yeah, Uruguay yeah. goes without Edinson out. Cavani, yeah. which I don't know if Uruguay win that game with Edinson Cavani. I don't think they do, just because I, I think France were good enough defensively to figure that out. But it certainly didn't help. It's kind of lucky, isn't it? It, it is, but Remember you have to have Deschamps luck. Remember and luck? <laughs> hey, however it works, but you got to have luck. You can't do yeah. this thing without luck. And yeah. you then have a Uruguay team playing with uh, Suarez, who's clearly not in his physical prime, and Christian Stuani, who I don't think was ever in his physical prime. And you just felt like all France had I – was, I was never in doubt about that game. I never um, thought for a second no. that Uruguay could win that game. It's a, it was a master, masterpiece of, uh, it's, it's by, by far, by far the best French game, the, the, the best game of a French national team I've seen since probably France Brazil in 2006 in terms of, um, 
mastery of management of um, it, it's it's a French word that's hard to translate maîtrise like the whole game France was in control control basically yeah so and 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 against Argentina France led the ball to Argentina whether it was completely on purpose or not against Uruguay they took the ball away from them um, you've seen another team play a little bit like this um, adapting to its opponent because it's got so many versatile players and an amazing bench, it's Real Madrid. Yeah. And, um, well, how come you can play like this against Argentina and play like that against Uruguay? Well, we, 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 we can. We can. And the game against Uruguay, um, I, I think, you know, I was watching, of course, but like I was doing other things in my house and like, uh, Went to the kitchen, refilled my coffee cup, came back, pleasantly watching the game. Ah, pfft. Nah, yeah, complete control. Amazing game. The level and Varane started, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Varane started to raise and shine. There was, well, there was one, they had one chance, one real chance, and Lois, the save he made. Ah. <gasps> On that header. Diving was, oh my diving was right, low, one hand. Gorgeous save. So when on top of it, your keeper, who had been, um, you know, showing signs of uh, um, like he wasn't, he wasn't on, on top of his game before the World Cup, you know, that was like, okay, even Lois, even Lois, all right. Yeah, even, yeah, even if, if Lloris is doing this, you're, you're, you're feeling good about it. Cause I, I and I, I probably said this a bunch of times to people, but I, I was waiting for the one Lloris mistake. Cause I oh, really you just feel it? like it, it happened. It didn't happen. <laughs> it happened, but I was, I had been waiting for the one mistake he'd make. It happened at 4-1. Like, at 4-1. Yeah. Against Croatia. I know. We'll, and we'll get there. Um, all right. Yeah, that that was I, I was pretty safe in that one. Uh, semi-final now, um, going Oof. into Saint Petersburg against the darling of the one of the darlings of the tournament, a Belgium team that had beaten Japan in the last minute, come back from two nil down, mm. had beaten Brazil in what I would say was the game of the tournament in terms of excitement and back and forth. Belgium had stood up to Brazil. The Favorites going in, beat them, and now you have France and Belgium, the uh, the old ancient rivals. The they share a border, and more than a border. Yes, more a lot more than a border, but a lot more than a border. Yeah. But here you are in this game, where and this is where I started thinking. All right, here we go. Like this is this is going to be this is going to be rough at times. Because mm-hmm. Belgium are just so dynamic good. off the so ball. Good. They have so many good players. They have every line. It and you're and you know that if you try to play toe to toe with them, their counter is probably a little bit more efficient than our counter. Because our counter relies on the speed of Mbappe and the precision of Pogba and all that stuff. 
Belgium can counter from anywhere from anyone. Mm-hmm. It could be De Bruyne, much, it could yeah. be Fellaini for Christ's sake. There's so many Sh- ways Shirley, they can yeah. get you. So yeah. go into that game. France again, they start the same four two three one. First half, they're bunkering in a little bit. What were your impressions of Belgium in that first half and what France had to do to sort of ride it out? What a tough game to watch. Oh, yo, 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 yo. Um, so the, the first half, yeah, um, the first 20 minutes, oh my goodness. Azar is, it's like coming over and over and over again and every time, uh, Pavar is in big trouble. But, uh, the, the defense held, the line held. And, um, but, you know, Belgium is giving it all. Uh, they spent a lot of energy. Um, I'm not very proud at halftime. Uh, it's a very, very, very close game. Very, very close game. But, you know, you know, we have weapons too. We have Mbappé, we have, we have, um, Pogba, we have Griezmann. So you, you, you stay positive. It was, uh, for me, personally, uh, a good exercise of staying positive. Yeah. Um, and if I remember right, you were watching this game at work, weren't you? I was. I was. So you kind of yes. had to stay positive. It wasn't really... Uh, it, yeah, no, it is. I mean, <laughs> I, I have, you know, where I have to because I'm at work. I have colleagues. Um so uh, I, I couldn't watch, I couldn't be in the game like normally I, I am. Where I'm, so when I watch, I watch a game, a big game of the French national team or, or Paris Saint Germain, I kind of need to be alone because I'm, 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 I'm trans, I'm transforming into a different being, a, a, a being you may not necessarily want to be next to. Yeah. But uh, sorry. No, I, I am the same exact way. <laughs> I am literally, I am the same. For me, it's just pacing. Like, I'm in trance. I'm, I'm in trance. I'm pacing. Like, I can't stand still during a game like that. And especially during game. the final. For the basically the 12 hours before the final, I could not, um, I could not have a normal conversation with somebody without kind of right. either being terse or just <laughs> shooing them away. And it's just that, 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 and I like that kind of pressure because usually it's a good sign when I'm when I when it's like you're waiting for that. It is. It but is. But that yeah. second half against Belgium, set piece, um, set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. It's been the story of the tournament. Antoine mm-hmm. Griezmann has turned into one of the best set piece takers in the world. Yeah. He puts the ball in the perfect. The only. It's like the oh. only play. It's like in football when you, in American football where you. Throw the ball to the only place the receiver can go up and catch it. Same thing on this. He puts it in the only place that Umtiti could go get it. Fellaini kind of falls asleep a little bit. Glancing header right past Couture. 1-0 France. So you're, you're France. You have Howitzer's up front. You have, you have a guy um, 37 kilometers an hour. Is the average speed of a Olympic 100 meter sprinter. And that was Mbappe's speed against Argentina. It's, it's, um, 
it's overwhelming. So you have that player. You have Griezmann, who's not slow. Griezmann is is lighting fast, and he's a he's a killer up front. And then you have a big midfield. You have Pogba, you have Matuidi, you have N'Golo Kante. You have you have with three players. You have like five in midfield with this type of activity. When you're in trouble, your fullbacks score golazos. And now, your central defense is scoring crucial goals on set pieces. Varane against Uruguay. And now, Umtiti against Belgium. What do we do against you guys? <laughs> what, tell us. Is, is Lois going to start dribbling from his back and, 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 you know, go along the left wing and score? Um, this, yeah, this is a sign. That's a sign. And, um, and at that what point, a goal. and at that point, um, Belgium had to take the game to France and France put it on lockdown. That's it. It's over. It's over. And it's over. There was just cross after cross after cross after cross. And you could have played another 10 hours. Yeah. It, it, it was. And again, once the 80th minute was there, once you got to the 80th minute and Belgium hadn't scored, it was just over. And it was over it, at the it was over at the 60th. Yeah. And I find it ama- amazing, and we'll, we'll kind of go on a sidebar here that Belgium just the complaining of Belgium. So I am going to be defending them. Okay. Why? Because I suffered, Mark, I suffered so much in the 80s and 90s watching France play gorgeous football, positive, attacking stuff, and being completely shut down, mostly by Italian teams. I'm talking about, you know, club football, but also... Uh, national team football, World Cup and Euros, um, the Germans did that to the French. When we had Platini, Gires, Tigana, Fernandez, uh, gorgeous football, the Germans just found a way to shut us down in a not a positive way. But the masters at this are the Italians. Where during 90 minutes, you're giving it all and there's amazing actions and you're gonna almost score and you don't and you don't and you don't see the Italian team. Boo, where are they? Where are they? The Italians, here they are. Boom, one, no. Oh, that was unlucky. That was, un- let's go guys and you push, you push, you push, you push, you push another 30 minutes and uh, uh, counter attack. Boom, two, no. Thank you. Bye bye. Ciao. Over and over and over again. And for the next two or three days, Mark, you are mad. This is not fair. That's that's horrible. Boo, boo. Yeah, boo, boo. You lost. They won. They moved on. And they, they, yeah. So I've been there. I know how hard it is. Oh, so depressing. But that's part of the game, too. So yeah, we can score Golasso, who's legendary in 50 years and still show Pavago and, and Mbappe, but we, we can do that. The, the Italians have a, have a name for it, for it. Catenaccio. Like, game over. But there's another half an hour to play, yeah? No, no, it's a, it's, it's game over. It's, it's, it is. It's classic how to win a, uh, cu- uh, Cup competition. It's, 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 that's how you do it. E bello vincere. E bello vincere. 
è l'unica cosa che conta. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's the it's the formula that's worked pretty much since um, football was invented. And <laughs> you, you, yeah. you talk about it, the Italians, they perfected it. Um, and I, I felt like, even though, yeah, it wasn't pretty at times... No. It, it was it, it was this tournament, and it's what this tournament called for. Back in 2010, Spain were able to win the World Cup with 70% possession, and you know, averaging 70% possession. And was it was it beautiful? It was at times. At times, at times. But it, it you looked at this tournament, and you say which teams had the ball for the majority of the possession, and which teams didn't. The teams that didn't won more than the teams that did. I mean, that's just, that's just how this tournament was, and that's how France were able to play, and they did it better than anybody else. They played yeah. the style that was needed to win this tournament, and they did it as, as better than anyone else. Yeah, Germany had like 75% possession against South Korea. They lost. Because they could not put one of those balls into the back of the net. That's right. So, that's just how it works. Um, on to the final. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is okay. So I don't like talking about myself too much, but when I realized that France were going to play the World Cup final on my birthday, oh yeah, that there's something. There's something <laughs> Happy about birthday, it. Mark. <laughs> yes, uh, it, but that could have gone either way, Guillaume. <laughs> I could have yeah, had a really did. good birthday, which I did, or I could have yeah. had a very, very uh, depressing one. And yeah, when that did. realization starts coming to you, like. It's the day before, pretty much about five o'clock the night before. I am like, I'm getting that feeling, that that nervous energy that just builds uh-huh. and builds in your body, and you're just like, yeah. can we start this fucking game? Yes, I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> just whatever it is, just let's start yeah, the right. game. Yeah, but at the same time, it's enjoyable. Yes, it's, it uh, is. It's a tension that that's precious. And going into that game. What did you think? I thought we were going to win. Me too. But. But. Um, I know the Croatians. Uh, we've seen them. We met them before. It's the same type of team. They are excellent football players. They they are master of the pass. Um, they will find a way to bring the ball into your square, into your defense zone. Because they they just unbelievable at passing the ball, and they showed it. Also, um, you, ne- you never know. Um, we lost the Euro 2000, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Euro 2016 final. Um, is this team... You know, they've shown that they have remarkable character, that they can bounce back, that the fullbacks can score, that the defense can score, that the midfield can score, kind of. Sure, sure, sure. We're favorite, but uh, you never know. And at halftime, Mark, could you explain to me how France came back to the locker room at halftime? Has they haven't seen the ball. They had one shot on goal and they scored two goals. Can you tell me what happened there? They were, they lost 
every duel. They were behind every runs. N'Golo Kante was late everywhere and that destabilized that buffer that you mentioned before the central defense. Varane and, and Umtiti were all over the place. The ship was sinking. It was the Titanic. It was a catastrophic first half. Um, in the media, I read, Kante, oh yeah, Kante was sick. No, he wasn't sick. And Golo Kante played the game in his head four or five times before he actually reached the pitch. He probably didn't sleep. I mean, there's no, there's no, nothing better than experience. Because you can, you can have some perspective on things because you've been through it. Very few of these players, um, well, none of these players, except one. Well, one and a half. Raphael Varane, 25 years old, already won four Champions Leagues. He knows, he knows that those emotions and feelings and doubts you can have and how to manage them and deal with them. And he kind of saved the team at halftime. Yeah. Um, in his speech, he said, stay positive. Stay positive. We are going to win this. We're going to win this. So Deschamps had a tactical um, uh, speech. and you know, But Varane was like, okay, it's not about tactics. It's about mental. Stay positive. Refuse to lose. We are going to win this game. Yeah, and I um, thought what I, I'm sorry, but I thought what happened in the first half was I felt like Croatia knew that they had to win that game in the first half. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because the after playing a, essentially playing an entire full game more than France, going yeah. through three knockout games, two penalty shootouts, one extra time. They knew that if they took a lead into the locker room, they could hold it for 45 minutes if they had to. They could sit back and they could, they could absorb the pressure. But if they had fallen behind, which they did, they knew they'd have to go out and chase the game. And that's something that I don't think their legs were capable of doing. So you saw a Croatia team that was just throwing everything at them. They were running to the ball. They were oh, connecting wow. well. They were. They were so dangerous. And so dangerous. France, I think, they got hit a little bit in that first twenty minutes, where it's like a I'm in the bit. World Cup final. I'm in the World Cup final, and you have to you have to be in. It's like you have to be in a fight for like a round or two to realize you're in a fight. Mm. And once France realized they were in a fight, I thought they got at least somewhat back on their feet. They fought. Had, they fought back. Yeah. yeah. But what you had yeah. was the both goals, both of those goals were set up by Mbappe because the first goal, the, the, the movement that got France out of trouble and put the ball in Croatia's half was a long ball to Kylian Mbappe. And about mm-hmm. 30 seconds after that long ball, Griezmann gets fouled, puts a dangerous uh, set piece into the box off Mandzukic's head. Second goal, another long ball for Mbappe. Uh, Vita's backing up. He heads it behind for a corner. Griezmann puts a corner in. It hits, um, it hits, uh, Perisic in the hand. VAR, penalty. Griezmann, 
about as cool and calm and collected as you'd ever want someone to be on a penalty. And a game that Croatia needed to, uh, in a half, that Croatia needed to take a lead into, or that they needed to win, they lost. Yeah. And I just want to ask, because I I know, obviously, was that a penalty? I think it was. Well, listen, if it's a penalty against Umtiti, uh, against Australia, uh, it's a penalty for France against Croatia. Um, there's a gray zone, and so that was a 50-50 call. So yes, it was a penalty, or no, it wasn't. Both, both answers are, are correct. Um, it's a big call. Overall, it's a pretty lucky thing. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a, it's a 50-50 call. It's a goddamn World Cup final, and the, and the ref decided to, to give it to France. So it's a huge call. So yeah, there's there's some like there because it's not a stone a stone cold um, no stone wall penalty no it's not stone cold stone cold but you you can't you cannot say it wasn't a penalty no no but so it's it's a you know fifty fifty call yeah I, I mean after a half like this you get that call Jesus <laughs> yeah and the second half is where. Um, the, uh, where, yeah. where the second half is really where we're with the money time. So Croatia come out pretty well. They get a bit oh, more yeah, of their the momentum first 10 back. minutes, the first 10 minutes. Yes. Ooh, you, you. And then, um, I guess I can, I, I guess I can say this. The, um, Russian rock band Pussy Riot ran onto the field and got <laughs> themselves arrested. Uh, just in, in case we hadn't had, um, in case we haven't had everything in this world cup, after that moment, we can officially say yes, indeed, we have everything. I forgot. I forgot about Pussy Riot. They just and, and, and like it uh, almost like I think two minutes after that, it might have been there's more. A, there's a picture of um, uh, one of the Croatian players completely mad, <laughs> like trying like to kick them out, and there's another picture of one of the Pussy Riot members high fiving um, uh, Mbappe. <laughs> He's just cool. Just like, all right. Yeah, he's like, all right, on. He's, yeah. He plays in France. He's used to this nonsense. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the Pussy Riot. Yeah, that that was bad timing for Croatia, but you cannot say, oh, yeah, we lost the World Cup because of Pussy Riot. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can say that, and it would be pretty funny, but yeah. It'd be, yeah, you can, you can. Um, um, that, that didn't help. That okay. didn't help. So, uh, on, on to business. Um, France, um, another... Brilliant pass from Paul Pogba. Another diagonal ball right through the def- right to the right of the defender, curling left, curling over back right. Mbappe gets it, plays around a little bit, passes it to the middle. Griezmann controls it on his toe, drops it to Pogba. Pogba hits the defender with his right foot. Ball trickles back, curls it in with his left foot. I don't know where Subasic was going to, like, I, I mean, he a mm. uh, subscript to this. Subasic was terrible in this game, but well, he's not a great goalkeeper. No, he's not. We we know that no. as as yeah. PSG fans. But um, that ball goes in. He wheels away. Three one. So there's a throw in. Pogba is protecting his central defense. Uh, header by Nzonzi. 
um, wins every single. But by the way, the balls of Deschamps to take Conte off and put in Zanzi on. It's the Imagine right move, that. but that took a lot of balls. <laughs> a lot of balls. So, um, header by Nzonzi, uh, towards, towards the Croatian, uh, ha- uh, part of the field. Uh, but, but, um, Griezmann is there and, and heads back to Podba who in a fraction of a second delivers one of the most beautiful passes of the, the competition of the tournament. Gorgeous long ball to Mbappé in diagonal. Mbappé keeps it. Griezmann, of course, is there. Who's back? Who has, after delivering this absolutely gorgeous ball, is right there. Paul Pogba. Shoots with his right foot. Blocked. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to try the left foot then. Because I can do that too. Boom, goal. Popova went and got it. He went and got the walker. He, he did that. I'm going to give you that pass. Don't worry. I'll be right there to shoot it. Um, to, to shoot, to, you know, to, to be in the zone where I can be dangerous and possibly score. Here we go. I'm in the zone. You give me the ball. Boom, boom, goal. Yeah. And his reaction, hi, hi, hi. What a lion! What a lion! Wow, three one. Okay, and okay, we won. Yeah. We won. Well, at that point, I was still thinking, okay, three one. Croatia still have a bit of, you know, the Croatia is still sending attacks. So I wasn't completely. I was. I was still somewhat uh, with it at that point. I was still somewhat in my own. I somewhat still had my faculties at that point. Like, I was celebrating, but I was still, like, the inhibition had yet, there was still some, there was still something there holding yes. me back from full delirium. Sure. Until Kylian Mbappe scores. Then yeah. it's just full delirium. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I've felt that feeling maybe four or five times in my life as a sports mm-hmm. fan. And usually they're pretty, spread far apart, but just to have Kylian Mbappe, 19 years old, PSG player, he chose to go to PSG over places like Real Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester Mm -hmm. United, and here he is, World Cup final, a ball outside the box, drills it in, 4-1, now it's pretty much over. Oh, it's not pretty much over. It's, it's, it's over. Yeah. But it was over at 3-1. So let's talk about the pride. I, I, I just, I felt like a yes. Like, I, I was so happy that that last goal was scored by Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, before the game, I was like, is he going to score? Because that's... Hey, hey, hey. You know, the Ronaldo Messi goats greatest of all time. Blah, blah, blah. They, they're unbelievable players, but to be, to be a, a legend, a real, real legend, you have to win a World Cup. To be even bigger than that, you have to score if you're forward in a World Cup. Very few people have done that. And here is Kylian Mbappé. <laughs> After his first full year, um, his first full season as a professional player, at the age of 19, 
scoring a goal. Of course, of course, Guillaume, I'm going to score in the World Cup final. And he scores that, that goal. You know, that goal reminded me of the Portuguese goal against France at you know, uh, 2016. Yeah, the, the Adair goal. And the Adair goal, it, it kind of bounced, bounced um, the same way. Got into the goal, and you could, and, and you realize by just by the sound of it that it was a, a big shot, like poof, you know, uh, despite the bounces. And, uh, and what's amazing it, about it is that Kylian Mbappe at this point in his career is not a great outside shooter yet. No, like it's not what he's known for. And to to basically save one of his best golazos for the. World Cup final. For the World Cup final. The guy's just, it's, the guy's just cool. Like, there, there's no other word. He's just cool. He's calm. He knows what he's doing. He's so calm. Just, he's and, so calm. I, I mean, speaking of knowing what you're doing, Hugo Lloris, um, allowed the, uh, I guess the consolation goal for Croatia. I, he's I kind of. He's a package. He's a package. You have to, I mean, look at the World Cup he had. Yeah. I the found saves. it more funny than anything else. Yeah, I didn't find it funny. <laughs> no, at the, afterwards I found it funny. In, sure, in the sure, moment, sure. I did not. No, on the, on the moment, no. But yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so, yep. all right. So, ninety-fifth minute, final whistle, game's over. You were there in France in ninety-eight. Mm-hmm. You were in California this year, I believe, in two thousand eighteen. Twenty years later. Yep. Compare the feelings. Um, so I guess for the for the younger fans, it was probably a similar feeling, even if not exactly the same thing. Ninety eight is is like if you've been uh, watching football for all these years uh, as a French fan, you've seen everybody, not everybody, but you know the World Cup, Maradona. Pelé, Ronaldo, uh, Germany, it's, you know, touching the stars, and we can't do that. And then we can. We, we, we're doing it. It's France, Brazil. We win three now. And we are in heaven. It's just euphoria. And it's a great celebration of diversity. Racial diversity in France and, and everybody's happy and hugging, you know. This time, a lot of things have happened. Um, there's a, there's a tough political context. There's, you know, racial tensions in France. And also, can we, can we come out of our houses in masses and be safe? Because, you know, some shit happened in 2015. Um, Paris has, has been through some really, really, really tough times. And times are tougher for the youngsters and, you know, to find jobs and there's more pressure. It's, times are a little tougher than in 1998. And, um, so there's a huge relief. There's a huge relief, um, that when France wins the World Cup at the 95th minute, the, the ref blows his whistle. And a confirmation, uh, yeah, we, we can do that again. So 98 wasn't just a fluke. Or, you know, we won the year after that, but now, and that's it. That's it, guys. Uh, get used to it. 
Um, for I don't know how long it's going to be, but there is now a a chronic engine. I don't know if it makes any sense to put these words together in France to deliver uh, top, 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 top notch players and teams like the Germans have, like the Italians have like the Brazilians have three years. Now, France is part of that mold. Um, get you straight. Uh, all the all the signs are there. The, the way the detection of talents happens, um, the way it's, um, it's a chance for many, many young kids in the suburbs of, of French big towns. It's a... It's, um, it's it's a good path. Um, yeah, I mean that that that's it. Uh, that's it. France is is there now, and and for for a long time, I think actually they can do even better than that. But that's a and, a, and, and that's a, down the line. Yeah, I think yeah. that's two good points, and I and I wanted to that first of all, France have now are now only the third team in the history of Europe to win more than one world championship. So they're in a conversation now with Germany and Italy. It's those two, the teams that they were working to beat for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Now they have two. Now they're in a spot where they can start chasing, hopefully chasing those, or at least being in the conversation with yeah, a third star, A third star in four years and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, and, then, sure. and then you're really there. But I, I just wanted yeah. to, I, I thought, because after the game and after the celebration and everything, and by the way, I've never seen a team just enjoy each other's company and yeah. celebrate the way France did. They they seem like a genuine group of people that just oh uh, they are they are. I mean, you, you see it you see it in that documentary. I yeah. mean, they, they, but yeah. just the poignant thing for me because I, I have um, I I turned on my Sling TV and I watched the French um, the French coverage of the aftermath. Amazing, and isn't to it? See, you talk about 2015 and what happened in France, and to see those same kind of scenes that you saw in '98, mm-hmm. seeing them again, knowing yeah. what happened, yeah. knowing the, I wouldn't say danger, but knowing that it's a different time, but that same energy and that same passion coming out. Uninhibited. Everybody. Everybody. That's the amazing thing to me. Young kids, teenagers, uh, uh, young adults, parents, grandparents, men, women, uh, any color and shape. Uh, I mean, you cannot... Yeah, you can put some perspective on that and say, yes, but blah, 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 blah. Sure. Now, in these few hours, the whole French society is outside and uh, under the French flag and just happy and proud to be French at at this moment and um, just displaying a little bit of our way of life and way of being as a republic and as as a society, as a nation, as human beings. Wow. It, it, it was special to watch. And I thought the, the celebrations on Monday 
were, and I watched those too. Uh, it's amazing, you know, what we can do now with technology that we can just turn on a television and watch a channel from France broadcasting yeah. the parade. And cool. I, I, uh, it, it really was. It was, ama- it was, first of all, it was amazing that they had to change like four or five times during the parade to different clothing and shirts and suits and, it, it, it was a whole big production that the Spanish police, the, not, not, sorry, the French police, and they they just did it so well. Mm-hmm. They went off They're without well a hitch. <laughs> they are well trained. And then you have that, yeah. and then you have that image of the the open the open roof bus driving down the Champs Elysees with the flares going off and the fighter jets over top. Eruption. It's just like. Of joy. If you're one of those players, I understand you make millions and millions of dollars playing club football 11 months out of the year. You barely get vacation. You're, you know, your, your legs are always hurting. You're, there's always something to, you know, there's always some medical thing you have to do to get yourself better. You have to eat the right way. You can't eat anything that would harm your body. You, you know, all the, the sacrifices you have to make. For that. For that. And, and you're it's like, living, it, it, it you're has to feel like the now. pinnacle. Well, it is. There's nothing more beautiful than that. And, and, and again, in that documentary and, and different interviews, uh, a few, uh, a few players in the French national team said, you know, the, the joy we give to people. Uh, seeing, seeing people behind us, but, People being so grateful and so joyful because of what we're doing is um, the best feeling in the world. There's nothing like it. And they were in awe. Oh, it's so beautiful. And uh, I also wanted to make note that I, I don't. I think maybe one of the ha- legitimately happy people in all this was French President Emmanuel Macron. Sure. Like, I, I, imagine that. <laughs> oh, remember, I mean, it's like, sometimes you wonder about reality and life. So, 95th minute, the ref blows his whistle, and the sky opens, and a thunderstorm, a massive summer rain comes down on Moscow, and drench Everything, and you see on the pictures, you see the size of the raindrops. They're like they're like a fist, a human fist. Unbelievable. Macron is um, uh, put next to Putin, but Putin has, has, has three slaves with an umbrella around him. <laughs> Macron uh, is 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 not is not protected from the rain, and he's getting completely drenched. And Macron has that image of, you know, Wall Street, um, Goldman Sachs, clean and polished banker. And this is perfect for him. Now he's like completely drenched. Like he went, like he went and fought too. And he's hugging the players and he's, yeah, uh, my goodness. He's, He's a lucky man too. This is perfect for him. But, um, I mean, he gave a good image. Um, he said, oh, by the way, so first of all, I'm no 
I'm not a huge fan. I don't dislike Emmanuel Macron. There's things I really, really dislike about him and his policies and things I like. But he's, he's a young president, which is a, a big change in French politics, where normally we have dinosaurs uh, running the country. Um, but so he, he, he gave a good image uh, of, of, of France. He added to the whole picture. Uh, I think he did, and uh, he, of course he benefited from from the whole event. Of, of course he did. I mean, you can't blame him for this. He's the French president. He's there in the semis. He's there in the final, and French form. So it's it's benefited from from it. But he gave a good image, and that rain moment, the the, the huge storm on him, kind of helped. I mean, he looked good on camera. Not Putin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not 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 Putin. Um, not Putin. Yeah, final thoughts on this um, on this incredible um, incredible once in a generation run. Well, I think you know normally I, I try to not be like oh we're gonna win it all or make big predictions, but when you have a team like this. That can do it all, almost all. There's one thing this team hasn't done, because Deschamps used us, his customized midfield of three workhorses, even if one of them, Paul Pogba, is a Fiori Classe. He's, um, he's a special player, because he's, he's, he's like, he's like Patrick Vieira level, even probably higher than that. Pogba can defend and be ruthless defending on the ground, in the air. Pogba can beat you physically. Pogba can run faster than you. Pogba can score in the air with his right foot, with his left foot. Pogba can do short passes. Pogba can do long passes. Pogba can step up at halftime and have a the speech of a leader um, I mean he's a unbelievable player anyway there's one thing we haven't really seen is a great real you know what the French call meneur de jeu a 10 and Mbappé is a number 10 I mean he has a number 10 on his back he's not a number 10 Griezmann is not a number 10 we do have a incredibly gifted modern number 10 in Thomas Lemar. Lemar is a... Yes, uh, sorry, we have another world-class player. Thomas Lemar is a fantastic player with a incredible potential. And um, before his injury, France was transformed when he was playing. Remember about a year ago, Lemar had a few stunning stunning performance with France um, like pushing Pla uh, Dimitri Payet out yeah. well Lemar is still around and Deschamps knows that Deschamps is no fool so now he has his core team with core principles and he knows he can reach great heights with that well um, there's going to be a small transition to the next phase, phase which is the Euro Giroud is probably going to retire. I'm not sure Giroud is going to play Euro. Matridi is probably going to retire soon, um, you know, in the French national team, or just 
you know, transition out. Um, we showed that we could play in 4-2-3-1. Uh, well, um, it might be Thomas Lemar time. If he can come back to his level and he will, you will see the French national team you have seen plus a potentially world-class number 10. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! And, and we have Martial. And Dembele had a terrible World-Cup. And we know how good he can be. Jeez. Um, we are so spoiled. We are so spoiled. So spoiled. It's, um, it's potentially the beginning of a golden age. And yeah, I, I can't I think wait it to, is. I can't wait to, to be along for the ride. Guillaume Delaporte, thank you so much for coming on uh, to Anytime. put a wrap on this. Um, this has been um, PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon. Again, thank you all for following um, me and the PSG Talk staff as we've gone through this 2018 World Cup. Um, PSG Small Talk and PSG Talking will be back. I know that for sure because you guys are going to record soon. So, uh, Like in a few hours. Yes. So... <laughs> be ready for that we're 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 uh gearing up for another season of paris saint-germain football but oh, yeah. just again thank you for following us on this world cup journey um and au revoir for now